Uh, tonight's message, if you can't already tell uh, by the scene in the background, uh, the title of tonight's message uh, is Unfair. Everyone say unfair. Okay, now say it like you mean it. Unfair. Unfair. All right. And, and this, is, uh, this has kind of been on my heart uh, the last few uh, weeks. Uh, tonight's message has been really pressing on my heart. Uh, but this afternoon it kind of hit me uh, and, and came in pretty quick. And I was like, all right, uh, God, tonight's night to share the message. And, and, and so I uh, worked it out this afternoon uh, and really feel uh, that this is a word from the Lord to this group uh, for 2014. Can I get an amen? Amen. You guys like it when God speaks to us? Amen. And his word is a great uh, place to turn uh, when God is speaking to us. Turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles to Luke chapter 19. Um, Luke chapter 19. Uh, the gospel writer Luke has written this uh, to us, the Christians here in the 21st century, uh, for us to learn, for us to glean, uh, and for us to be inspired. Uh, so when you get to Luke chapter 19, uh, let me know by saying holla. Uh, if you're not there yet, let me know by saying, hold up. You're all there. Amen. Uh, this is a trick that you can do in, uh, in Bible study. Um, when, when the pastor asks you to let them see your Bibles after he's already had you flip, everyone grab your Bible and put your thumb there in the crease. You can close it like this, because now I'm going to say, let me see your Bibles. So put them up. Okay. So you got the crease. There we go. I love the smartphone Bibles. It's so great. Man, uh, I heard someone say this uh, the other day, and I thought this was really funny. So I said, man, if someone holds up their smartphone or a tablet, I'm going to repeat it. Um, the guy's like, uh, how can you cast out a demon with a smartphone? It's like batteries dying, and he accidentally opened Angry Birds rather than the Bible app. He's like, man, just go get an old leather-bound Bible. That's the way to do it. But it's all good. I love you if you still have smartphone Bibles. Um, we'll pray for you. No, I'm just messing. Um, Luke 19, guys, we got a lot of stuff we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, but what I really want us to focus on is life ain't fair. Life ain't fair. Jay Stone, you can put the Bible down if you want to. Your arm might be getting sore back there. Uh, life ain't fair, okay? Life really ain't fair. Would you guys all agree with me? All right. And since life ain't fair, let's open in a word of prayer. Is that life ain't fair, so let's open in a word of prayer. It's like the, the opening freestyle. There we go. Dear God, we just thank you for your word. God, we pray that tonight your word would speak to us. Uh, God, that we would be encouraged by what your word has to say. God, that we would be inspired by what your word has to say. God, and we would be challenged to live our lives for you. God, we just pray that as we spend these next few moments diving into your scriptures, uh, God, that we would just... Uh, really be challenged to live our lives differently. God, you would give us your eyes. God, you would give us your ears. God, you would give us your heart. Uh, God, for the lost, uh, God, and for those who are going to be uh, finding you, God, and joining this group uh, in the weeks and the months and the years to come. God, I pray that tonight none of these words would be mine, uh, but God, you would speak through me. God, I just humble myself and lay myself aside and say that your Holy Spirit speak through. And God, anything that is of me may fall on deaf ears or may I not even be able to get it out of my mouth. Uh, God, because we want your word to come through. So God, we just praise you. Uh, God, we thank you. Uh, in your son's name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, hey, how many of you guys have ever gone to Walmart before? Never. All right, I'm going to change up from Walmart unless you raise your hand and you're like, I don't want to raise my hand in a Walmart. Uh, how many of you guys have ever been to the movie theater? 
right, once or twice. How many of you have ever been to Clackamas Town Center Movie Theater? Okay, good, so this is going to work. The, uh, how many of you guys uh, have been going up when it's kind of busy to get a ticket before? There's only like one ticket person working on that weird banana-shaped desk, and like everyone's like, where do I form the line? You guys ever been in that situation? And you got like the clump over here, they're all like, who's playing this time. And you got like the clump here who's like, I am in line. And then this group over here is like, is this where the line is? You guys know what I'm talking about? Okay, and then when the person's done, uh, everyone's like, okay, my turn to go. And they like go and they don't really know uh, where the line is, right? You guys have all been there, done that. How many of you guys have been the awkward person who's like, I don't know what movie's playing tonight? Yeah, okay. Justin, I knew it was going to be you. Uh, (laughs) And uh, how many of you are the kind of people... When you're in a line, and you stand there, and you're in line, and you're like the movie theater and everything, and you just stand there, and you're like, man, it's been a long time. That person's got a family of seven. Just buy your tickets already. It's XD. You can't get student discount on that. Just buy your tickets already. You just stand there. You're like, man, it's been like 15 minutes. I'm trying to get my ticket. Okay? And then the person kind of comes in from the food court, and they're like, they like sneak around, and they're like all nonchalantly, they like accidentally like get close to be in front of you. You guys know what I'm talking about? Uh, In elementary school, we used to call it cutting, right? Cutting in line. And uh, I'm the kind of person who really is like, oh, no, you didn't. That's my spot in line. And so I'm like, "Um, excuse me, I was in line. The person's like, all right, um, well, I'm here already. It's like, don't cut me or else I'll cut you. And no, I'm not talking about getting in front of you in line. I'm talking about with a blade, and it will be painful. Don't cut me. Get behind me. Go to the back because that is where you belong. Guys, life ain't fair. Life ain't fair. And people decide to cut us off. Speaking of cutting off, uh, I was driving. This was about a year ago. I'm, I'm, I'm driving down I-205, uh, and I just merged onto I-5 just north of Vancouver. How many of you guys know what I mean? Okay. Now I'm driving, and I'm in the middle lane. I'm about 60 miles an hour. Five over, for those of you who don't know the speed limit is 55. And I'm going, and I go over to the fast lane, because there's a little minivan in front of me, you know. And I, I put the gas up just a little bit, and then I see, oh, the speed sign, it says 60 now. Praise the Lord. Put it up to 63. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, and then this dude in this Civic, okay, wasn't having a good day, and he comes zipping right past the middle lane, like, cuts me off, like, okay, cuts me off, going, no joke, probably 75, okay? If it was one of you, shame on you. He goes like 75, and, and I'm just like, all right, going 65, you know? And then all of a sudden, whoop, whoop. I'm like, oh, finally, someone's going to pull this dude over, you know? And he pulls me over. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I got pulled over for going 63 in a 60, and this dude's cut me off. I'm like, yeah, I got a ticket. It was $98 for 63 and a 60. Yeah, life ain't fair. And I'm like, how did that dude just cut me off and then not even get picked up on the radar? It was crazy. And I'm like, officer, uh, I mean, seriously? He's like, yeah, you got to do this all. And I'm like, man, life really ain't fair. I'm getting cut off left and right. And we say life ain't fair all the time. We say life ain't fair all the time, and and why do we think this way? Uh, Because no matter whether we choose to truly believe this and say this, innately we all want fairness in life. Innately we all want fairness. 
Innately, we all want people to get what they deserve. Okay? I know that sounds harsh, but deep down, the statement, life ain't fair, connotates that we want people to get what they deserve. And it goes on so far that life ain't fair and people aren't getting what they're deserving. The person who cut me off on the freeway, he deserved to take it. I did not. The person who cuts you in the movie theater line or the Walmart line, they deserve to go to the back. They don't deserve to go in front of you, but yet they still do. And life ain't fair. And uh, this unfairness and this uh, us wanting what we deserve, if we truly want people to get what they deserve, we have to apply that to ourselves as well, right? If we want others to get what they deserve, we then fall into the others of someone else's others. So we should all get what we deserve. Would you all agree? Okay. That being said, aren't we glad that God does not give us what we deserve? Yeah, yeah amen. Amen. Uh, I think summed up best, uh, this is grace. And we're going to talk a little bit about grace tonight. Uh, grace, by definition, is the unmerited favor uh, of God. Okay? It is giving us what we do not deserve. Okay? Romans tells us that the wages of sin is death. Okay, let me rewind. The wages of sin. How many of us are sinners? Let me know by raising your hand. If you're not raising your hand, you're a liar, which makes you a sinner, and that makes you a heathen, and that's crazy. Raise your hand when I say raise your hand. Okay? All right, because we're all sinners. Um, so we all deserve death. And I'm not just talking about walking out into a train track now. Choo-choo. Um, I'm talking about we all deserve eternal separation from God. We deserve death. Death, but aren't we happy that life ain't fair at that point? Because God steps in. Aren't we happy that God gives us what we do not deserve? Amen? Amen. And I love grace. So I want us to dive in right now to Luke chapter 19. And we're going to read verses 1 uh, through 10. Uh, and we're going to talk about a guy. Okay? So we're going to read, then we're going to talk. Does that sound good? Everyone there in their Bibles? Everyone there? All right, here we go. This is what it says. Luke chapter 19, verse 1. And it says this, Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because the crowd... For he was short of stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was going to pass by that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and he came down. And he received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be the guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore them fourfold. 
And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a story of grace. This is a story of a scandal. This is the story of unfairness. This is a story of someone getting what they do not deserve. You guys see Zacchaeus was, if we're to put it in English, Zacchaeus was a thug. Okay? He was a straight-up mobster. He was a racketeering gangster. He was in league with the enemy of the state. He wanted nothing to do with his own kind. And he has said, you know what? I'm going to steal from my brothers and sisters so I can be happy with the enemy. I'm going to steal to make myself rich. I'm going to oppress those who are already oppressed just because I want a little bit of that cash money. He was a thug. Not only was he a thug, but he was short. So I think if we were reading the word on the street version, it would say Jesus looked up in the tree and saw two short up there. That's a bad joke. But uh, it's all good. Uh, Zacchaeus was a thug. But you see, Zacchaeus was not deserving of Jesus. Okay? To the Pharisees and to the people at the time. Because they said, hey, this man's a sinner. This man's a tax collector. This dude just stole about $500 from my grandma. She can't even walk. And he's stealing money from her. This guy just stole my car. He repossessed my car. And I pay my payments every single month. This dude's a thug. What on earth is he doing getting to hang out with Jesus? But Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus knew he was a thug. I think if you were to ask any thug today, do you know you're a thug? They'd say, yeah, Clay, I know I'm a thug. That's why I'm like this. And Zacchaeus knew he was a thug. He knew he was a bad boy. He knew he was a sinner. He knew he was a tax collector. And he knew he was a sinner so much that he knew he needed a savior. Aren't you happy that in your sin you found Jesus? So Zacchaeus, he realized, I'm not going to be able to see Jesus because I'm so short. So I'm going to go climb a tree. Okay? He was an acrobatic thug. He climbs up the tree to see Jesus. And Jesus is going into Jericho, okay? And, and, and I want us to maybe pause on this real quick because in the whole narrative of the gospel, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem to go and be crucified, to die for the sins of the world so that his blood can cover all of our sins, okay? That was his purpose, okay? Uh, that was his ultimate goal. But this, he's going through Jericho. He didn't have to stop in Jericho, but he goes through Jericho because he is going to bless Somebody, He is going to do something along the process of getting to his purpose, okay? So I want us to maybe just think and put a side note in our notes that uh, I want you guys not just to focus on your purpose, but on the process of getting to your purpose because you can help people along the way, amen? Okay, so Jesus going through Jericho, he knows because he's God that he's going to bless someone's day. And he's going along the road and all these people are there. These are people who are following Jesus, who are loving Jesus, who are saying, Jesus, I'll do everything for you. Just like the noise. All right. And they say, Jesus, we'll do anything for you. And Jesus says, okay, sounds like a plan. See that tree over there? Zacchaeus, is that you up there? 
Yes, Jesus. Hey, come on down. I'm going to your house today. We're going to have a party. Okay. Notice Jesus doesn't ask if he can have a party over at Zacchaeus' house. He says, hey, I'm going to have a party. Zacchaeus is like, all right. Sounds like a plan. Climbs down the tree. And they hang out. Okay. And Zacchaeus meets Jesus. Has a counter with Jesus. And the natural reaction should have been by all those around, oh my gosh, another sinner saved by grace. Praise the Lord. But no, that wasn't their reaction. Their reaction was, what the heck is going on? Zacchaeus doesn't deserve that. Zacchaeus doesn't go to church every Sunday morning for the last 10 years. Zacchaeus, he doesn't take notes. He doesn't deserve to be able to hang out with Jesus. But life ain't fair sometimes. And, uh, and the reason I want to talk about this tonight... Uh, because I know this is something that I've struggled with over the years. and uh, Praise the Lord, he's given me uh, new eyes to see uh, people in, in, in the past few years. Uh, but I know when I was um, in high school, uh, in my first few years of college, uh, I kind of had this uh, mentality that uh, uh, Jesus was great and everyone needs Jesus. Um, but I'm pretty comfortable where I am at church. Uh, and I feel like me and Jesus at church is great. It's a good little bubble, you know, and uh, I don't want any outsiders coming into my bubble. Uh, and I know most of us uh, in this room, if not all of you, uh, well. I'm getting to know some of you guys even better. Um, but for the most of you uh, who I know, most of you have grown up in the church. Um, and uh, because of that, I feel like this is a very important message. Uh, this is a very important message for each and every single one of us. Um, because what we're believing for for 2014 is we're believing for the lost to find Jesus. We're believing for our friends to find Jesus. We're believing for our family to fall in love with Jesus. And that sounds great. That sounds great. But what happens when that happens? You know, it sounds great to say, man, I want all my friends to meet Jesus. I want my crazy friends, my nerdy friends, my friends who party like crazy. Oh, they need Jesus a lot. My friends who just cuss like a sailor. Uh, they all need Jesus. That sounds great and it's true. But what happens when your friend who cusses like a sailor shows up at the doorstep of church because he realizes I need Jesus and he's still cussing like crazy in church? What's your reaction? What's your reaction when your friend stumbles in the door because he's so hungover from last night that he can't even talk straight, but now he's in church talking to all your friends with the smell of liquor still on his tongue? What's our reaction? Love him. Love him. That's the right answer. But so often I see, we're like, oh, he actually came. You weren't supposed to come. I was just supposed to pray for you. Everything was going to be good. I was going to get a sparkle on my crown in heaven. You weren't actually supposed to come to church. You're messing with my bubble. My church friends are going to think I'm crazy because I hang out with stoners. And this is a very real problem in the church. 
Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 11, I mean through chapter 11, verse 3, uh, is a story about Peter um, going, and many of you have heard it, Peter uh, sees a vision of unclean things God tells him to eat, and he goes, uh, and, and, and he then goes and tells uh, the gospel to Cornelius, this Gentile, and the Gentiles receive the Holy Spirit, it's a great thing, and these people are then baptized, and they start following Jesus, and when Peter finally gets back to Jerusalem, all the Christians are like, man, what you doing talking to Gentiles? What you doing talking to them Gentiles? You know they're dirty. You know they're unclean. How on earth could you tell them about Jesus? Peter's like, what are you talking about? This Jesus thing is for everybody. But they were so easy and so quick to judge. The best way I can put it is say we were all walking down the street. Okay, we're walking down the street and laying on the street is a man dying. I'm not just talking about like coughing. I'm talking about you see like the five bullet holes in his gut. You see the puddle of blood. You see him dying. Do you just walk by? It's like, oh, some blood. Turn your back. Walk away the other way. Scary. What would you want someone to do if they saw you full of holes laying on the ground bleeding to death? You'd want someone to come and rescue you. You want someone to, so someone to come and save you, bandage you up, call 911 maybe. Folks, if we were to see a dead person on the side of the road, we'd do everything we could to help them. We would try and see them find life. But ladies and gentlemen, outside the walls, the four walls of the church, there are people laying on the side of the road dead in their sin. And we're walking right by them. Turning away. Ooh, uh, man, the person was dead. Whew, the stink. I'm not even going to go over by him. And this is a problem. Because when those dead people get a little bit of life, they're going to need to go somewhere, right? I mean, this sounds bad, but you'd rather have a dead person out in the street than a dead person in your living room, right? And uh, what happens when that dead person starts being revived and you throw them in your car and you can't get anywhere because you don't have gas, so you just bring them to the nearest uh, house and you pop them down in front of the TV on a couch and say, all right, let's get this person well. Heads start turning. They're like, is that a dead person on my couch? People are like, I don't really want to be associated with this. What's going on? There's some dead people around here. And guys, the church, the church becomes a place so many times where dead people go to find help, but they just find people with shovels and a coffin ready to go bury them. And ladies and gentlemen, that is not what the church is supposed to be. Here in Luke 19, we see that the people begin to mutter amongst themselves. Oh man, Jesus is hanging out with a sinner. Guys, the quickest way for a church to die is when people begin to mutter. Oh man, did you see that person who walked in? I think they might be homeless. They stink. Oh my goodness, did you see that person? All those tattoos, I think he's a gangster. 
and we start labeling people. And we're like, I don't want them to come into my bubble and mess things up. And the question I would ask is, when was the last time you hung out with sinners? I'm not saying going and getting drunk and getting high and, and, and doing the things with the sinners. But when was the last time you just hung out with sinners? When was the last time you were just hanging out with some sinners? Here's maybe a better question. Do sinners even like you? I grew up in the church. I know what church people are like. I know how church people like to hang out. Okay? Do sinners even like you? Or are they too afraid that if they have a conversation with you, you're going to go all over their head because all you know how to speak is King James English? How are you doing, my friend? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm sanctified by the blood of the Lamb. <laughs> Would you like to come to church with me this morning? We are going to partake in communion. We just start speaking all this language that people don't even know. Do sinners even like us? Because I can tell you one thing about Jesus. When Jesus went places, people followed. And Jesus hung out with those people. You see, Jesus had the reputation of being a wine and a glutton, which means he hung out with the filthiest of the filthy. Jesus hung out with the people who society said are trash. So if society says they're trash, you can only imagine what the church was saying about it. And Jesus is hanging out with them. That's cool. But to the churchgoer, that ain't fair. Why on earth is Jesus hanging out with them when we're here every stinking Tuesday night? I go to Bible study on Wednesday night. I do church on Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening. I have a Monday Bible study. I'm with Jesus all the time. How come Jesus ain't hanging out with me? This ain't fair. They don't deserve all that time with Jesus. I deserve Jesus because I put in the time. I put in the work. And that's the reaction almost 100% of the time by the church today. And that ain't right. And for 2014, guys, if we're going to be a place that sees lost people come to Jesus, we need to have our hearts ready to see the lost people in our pews. We need to have the hearts that are ready to see people find Christ. John? Uh, you know, I just add something? Yeah, absolutely. Um, a while ago, you were here, Matt, and Sam was at this place where we heard it, but... Um... This guy told a story about a man and a woman who got married, and they were driving out on their honeymoon or whatever and got in a car accident. And uh, the husband's all dazed and drives, so he looks over and sees his wife like bleeding out, like she's dying. And it just so happens through like the bottom of the days, he sees that where their car is, there's a sign that says Dr. So-and-so, like right up this road. So he scoops up his wife and runs to the door, and is like banging on the door, and the doctor opens the door, and he's like, you gotta save my wife, like she's dying. He's like, sorry, I don't practice medicine anymore. He's like, you like your science is doctor, like you gotta say her. He's like, I'm sorry, I can't help you. I'm not like practicing anymore. And so the husband's like, well, if you're not gonna save her, then take the sign off because people are gonna come there thinking that you can save them. And that's kind of a picture of the church sometimes. If we uh, if we're not looking to help those people, then we might as well just take the sign down so that they don't come looking for something that's not there. So. That's right. That's right. You guys all hear that? Guys, the church is supposed to be a hospital. And the people who are well are in not need of a physician. It's the people who are sick. Those are Jesus' words. 
unless we become like the Pharisees, the religious people of the day, lest we become like them and say, oh, they don't deserve that grace thing. They didn't put in the time. They didn't study their Bible with five different color highlighters, two different notebooks, one for the Old, one for the New Testament. They didn't have the special pen that doesn't bleed through the pages. They didn't have the tabs or the cool holder for their Bible case from 1990. They aren't deserving like I am. Lest we become like that, we need to remember one thing. We are just as much Zacchaeus as they are. Because I don't know if we lost track of time or something, but there was a time where each and every single one of us was trash, was filthy, was a sinner, out on the streets, dying, was too short to even see God, so we had to climb a tree. We were the ones who were in need of Christ. Unless we forget that, we need to remember Remember from whence we have come. Remember from what God has saved us from. From the sin that we have. Ladies and gentlemen, we want to see the church grow. We don't need to see this group grow. But if the church is growing, this group is going to grow. But what we need to remember, ladies and gentlemen, is that Jesus... Jesus doesn't need us to share. He doesn't need you to share. He doesn't need you. He doesn't even need you to be a part. But here's the deal. He wants you. He wants you. And he wants you so much that he sent his son to die for you. You see, he didn't need to give us what we don't deserve. In all reality, God could have been fair. God could have been giving us what we deserve. He could have. The law says we're guilty as charged. But grace, grace says I've paid for you. I've taken your place. God doesn't need us, but he wants us. And he loves us. And we need to realize that we're not entitled to anything. It's only by grace that we've received. So who are we to put entitlement levels on people outside the church? Guys, sinners accepted Jesus, but religion pushed Jesus away. Religion's full of do's and don'ts, but grace says it has already been done. And when we see our friends who are lost get found, and when we see them fall in love with Jesus and have fire, we can so easily think, why them? Why them? We see them full of joy. Your friend who little did you know was in the bathroom on a Wednesday afternoon shooting up heroin. Your friend who beats his girlfriend your friend who can't even think straight half the time because he's so drunk. Your friend who is so depressed, so full of hatred towards themselves that she just curls up in a ball. When your friends find Jesus and they put their faith in him and they get joy in this joy that is so amazing because it can only come from God. 
And then you, who've been going to church week in, week out, you're just going through life. It's not high, it's not low, it's just life. And you see your friend who used to be so down in the dumps, full of all this joy, and seemingly not even knowing why they have joy, like, okay, God, it must be you. And their theology's all out of whack. They don't even know what's going on. They're just like, I want, I want Jesus, I love Jesus. And they come to church, and you start seeing them get attention, and they start talking to your friends, and your friends are like, oh, this is sweet, you love Jesus. And you're like, what is going on? This isn't supposed to be happening. This is messing up my bubble. It all sounds great until it actually happens. I've been a good church goer. I, I deserve that joy. I've put in the time. I deserve that. God, why are you giving it to them? I deserve it. Guys, that is not the gospel. The gospel is not do this, this, and this, and then you deserve God's grace. Or do this, do this, and do this, and God owes you something. Ladies and gentlemen, God does not owe us anything. But he's given to us. And in the same way, he's going to give to other people. It might be your friend. It might be your family member. It might be someone who is so close to you, you know their darkest and dirtiest dirtiest secrets. You're like, they'll never find Jesus. Making up words. But guys, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus tried to cut the line. Zacchaeus tried to get up front to get his movie ticket first when he deserved to be in the back. I can just imagine it, standing in line. Oh man, Jesus is going to need a place to stay tonight. Jericho's a big city. I wonder if Jesus is going to come to my house. I've been following him since he first started his ministry three years ago. I've been walking out and hanging out with him, and I've got a vacation home here in Jericho. Jesus is going to come stay at my house tonight. Oh, it's going to be good. Woo. Just following him close enough that as he walks, you can feel like the wind brush from behind his sandals. You're like, oh, that's the Jesus. Okay. And then all of a sudden, you think Jesus is going to ask you. He, he, he turns, and you're like, oh, Jesus is turning at me. I'm going to lean up against this tree. Yo, what's up, Jesus? And Jesus is like, Yo, Zacchaeus, come on down from that tree. I don't know what this dude's doing, but come on down from that tree. I'm going to go to your house. And Mr. Churchgoer, Mr. Sunday's best, is like, what? There's a dude behind me. You're not going to come to my house? And guys, that's what we can so easily become the church, and that is not what we want. That's not the gospel. Guys, Jesus... Jesus isn't fair. Jesus gives what we don't deserve. But in so much, that is because he is fair. And it is because he is just. And it is because he is sovereign. And when I think about it, I'm so happy that Jesus, God, God didn't give me what I deserve. And uh, I know that the law and the way I've lived my life uh, I am deserving of death and eternal damnation. But because of what Jesus did upon the cross, because he saw fit to reach down into this earth and to grab me out of the muck, out of the mire, out of the crud that I was stuck in, and pull me out and set me on a solid rock, he says, Son, 
daughter, you deserve death. I'm freely giving you life. You've been paid for. To put this into terms for us all to understand, it's like you get pulled over for going like 20 over the speed limit, which is a felony, and you go to jail, you got a ticket and all this. It's like asking the cop who pulled you over to pay your ticket, to serve your jail sentence, to then represent you in court, to bail you out, to pay, to pay for all your legal fees, and then the cop actually doing it. He says, all right, you're off. I'll, I'll go to jail for you. Speeding ticket doesn't give it right. How about you commit murder? The cop comes to arrest you. Like, I'm sorry. Can you go to jail for me? I know it's 45 to life, but can you go to jail for me? I know you have a family. I know you got kids you got to feed, Mr. Officer Man. But can you go to jail for me? And the officer says, yeah, you know what? I'll go to jail for you. Guys, that's what Jesus did for us. And uh, we need to look at the reaction of what happens when Zacchaeus stands up here. Because so often we see it in conferences, conventions, and in church services. There's an amazing sermon given, and then the pastor says, All right, if you believe it, stand up, you know. And, and, and people stand up by the thousands of guys. There was no sermon preached. And Jesus just ate chips and dip with them. And Zacchaeus experienced Jesus and stands up and says, Lord, look, anything I have done wrong. Any people I've cheated, I'm going to pay them back four times. I'm going to give 50% of everything I own to the poor. The Pharisees outside, man, is that doing on crack? He's going to give 50% of this stuff? It was crazy because he just received something crazy. He received the gift he didn't deserve. And Jesus says something after this. Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house. Salvation has come to this house. Ladies and gentlemen, we are believing for it in 2014, salvation to come in this house. Salvation to come in this place. Salvation to come in our church, in our community, in our city, in our state. We are believing for salvation. But it doesn't just stop there. Jesus then says, this is my mission. He says, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. We so often talk about in church, and I'm, I'm wrapping up, I'm going to ask Bo to come back up, and Bo's going to start playing guitar, and then we're going to enter into worship for one last song. But we so often in church, we talk about the lost being saved. We talk about those who were once blind beginning to see. Those who were once dead finding life we talk about the lost being found. We talk about the salvation. But we very rarely talk about the seeking. You guys see, Jesus' mission was twofold. Jesus' mission was not just to go save the lost. He could have done that. He could have walked into the room and said, Lost people, you are now saved. He could have done that from the footsteps of heaven wouldn't even have had to come. But the Bible tells us that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. You see,
See, Matthew chapter 20 tells us that the first, they shall be last, and the last, they shall be first. And I want to close with this. How many of you have ever been to Disneyland before? Amen. Six Flags, anybody? Wild Waves, all the amusement parks, great times, attractions going out of style. And you, you have to wait in line sometimes, sometimes for hours on end just to ride the ride. But something happened the last time I was at an amusement park, and I found out there's this cool thing called a fast pass. And you can jump lines. Oh. And you can get to the front without even waiting. And when I think about standing in a line like at the movie theater, this is probably staying with the movie theater example. Huge premiere, opening night, The Hobbit. People in lines, in tents, dressed up like Gandalf the Grey, waiting to buy a ticket. But something happened when people got smartphones and they realized, oh my goodness, let's get digital tickets. Fandango. I bought my ticket beforehand. Hi, Gandalf. Hi, Frodo. I'm going to the front of the line. Oh no, you have to wait in the back. That's, that's where we were. You had to wait in the back. We've been here for seven hours. No, I got the ticket already. No, you got to wait in the back. You deserve to wait just as much as I waited. You deserve to go to the back of the line. But no, I got this ticket. I'm already ready to go. Guys, Jesus was our fast pass. Jesus was our Fandango ticket. We got to jump the line. We didn't have to stand in the line. But Jesus came and he gave us grace and we can go to the front of the line so we can enter the movie and get the best seats. And just like, just like Jesus did that for you, Jesus is going to do that for your friends, for your family members, for the people that you've been praying for, your co-workers, your classmates. Jesus can do that too. And guess what? You can tell them about Fandango. You can tell them about the gospel. And we have to realize that life ain't fair, but praise God, life ain't fair. We have to realize that we don't get what we deserve, and praise God, we got what we didn't deserve. And we need to remember that, because when we see people come in in the same place that we were maybe 10 years ago, maybe 10 minutes ago, we see people walk in the door, shame on us if we ever begin to think, they don't deserve it, I deserve it because I put in the work. Shame on us. God, we just pray that tonight, God, we pray that you would give us your eyes to see the lost. God, we pray that you would change our hearts. Oh, God, forgive us. For because of our own pride, we have separated ourselves, put ourselves on a pedestal above those who are different than us, those who are below us because of sin. God, shame on us. God, forgive us when we've been on our mission, our own agenda. Oh, I'm going to pray for my friends. I'm going to tell all my friends that I'm praying for them. I'm going to tell my church friends I'm praying for my 15 different friends so they think I'm spiritual. But far be it from me that they actually come to church and I see my prayers answered. I'm comfortable where I'm at. 
God, forgive us for being about our own mission. Forgive us for having our own agenda. God, may we be about your mission to seek and to save the lost. God, may we seek. May we go to the highways and the hedges. God, may we not rest because someone sought after us and someone went and told us and someone shared your love with us, God. God, may we do the same. God, may this group, may Ecclesia Young Adults, God, may we be a place where the sick can come and be healed. Where the dying can come and be revived. Where those who are lost can come and be found. Where those who are blind can come and see. Where those who are deaf, may they be able to come and hear. Those who are dumb, may they come here and learn to speak. God, may we be a place where the dying find Christ. And God, they come in to open arms, not to rejection, not to judgment, but God, to the love that flows from the Father of light through us. May this be a place where people find Jesus. So God, I pray right now that you would prepare each and every single one of our hearts, God, that you would mess us up a little bit, that you would change our hearts a little bit, so that when we see the lost, when we see the lame, the the broken, God, those who are battered and torn, God, may we see them as people. May we see them as brothers and as sisters in you, God, and may we see them the way you see God, may no one be able to say of Ecclesia, may no one be able to say of Hillside Christian Fellowship, oh, that place, they're just full of hypocrites. Oh, that place is full of people who are so comfortable in their bubble. Oh, that place is someplace where it is not good if you are different. But God, may it be known as a safe haven, a beacon of hope where the lost can come and find. God, we are so thankful that your love never gives up. That your love never runs out. God, that you love us so much. Oh God, that you love us so much. So God, we pray that the message you put on my heart, God, and the message that we have shared tonight, God, I pray that that would sink in. And God, we would not, God, that we would not look at people the way the world looks at people. God, we would not look at people the way traditional Christianity looks at people, but God, we would look at people the way you see people. So God, we thank you and we praise you for what you're going to do in 2014 as we are faithful to you, as we are faithful to your word, and as we live our lives on your mission. God, we thank you.